what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you very much uh, for everybody listening. I do appreciate it. With me today, uh, local here in Denver, uh, is uh, Eric Hill. He's the founder of Rugged Van Rentals and a uh, former UPS driver, police officer, stay-at-home dad, and now running uh, Rugged Van Rentals. And Eric, thanks for making the time today. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff to unpack here. I'm, I was a stay-at-home dad for a couple years, so I definitely want to talk about that. But first and foremost, um, rugged van rentals. Take me through that, like uh, how you got to that point. What is it? Um, and just let's start the conversation that way. Yeah, absolutely. So um, rugged van rentals came out of, uh, basically came out of me looking to start, start up a second company. So the, the first company I started up was an escape room uh, a few years ago, started that in 2015. Um, and uh, we uh, got to the point where I knew I was going to end up selling it. So I'm like, well, what new can I do? And um, actually was looking at possibly buying a, a rental van company that had come up that I was really interested in. Uh, got into due diligence with it and just didn't like the way it was being run. And I'm like, well, I, I, I think I'd you know, like to do something similar. Uh, but I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And uh, just looking into the industry, one day I just noticed a huge, a huge gap in the market for um, passenger vans that are actually built more for the outdoors. Um, so what I decided to do was I bought 15 passenger vans, put four by four conversions on them, uh, little lifts, bigger tires, and front to back roof racks that allow people to uh, add things to them to kind of match the adventure they're going on. So say if um, it's a, uh, a biking team, you know, coming over from Europe. Well, they're all able to fit into the van plus have uh, enough room up top for 10 bikes and drag a trailer if they need to. And uh, with the four by four and it being able to go off road, they're able to go out to say Moab. So uh, that's one instance. Another person might be um, uh, maybe it's a couple families coming in from New York. They don't want to get multiple SUVs. So they just end up getting my van, one of my vans, put a ski box up top or a couple of them, and that allows them to all go together up through the mountains. And once again, having the four by four, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just much more safer. You know, your typical 15 passenger vans are, you know, kind of known as death traps. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you um, were going to say it, I was. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't they, mean they to make don't light have, of that, but. No, not at all. They They don't have a great reputation, but. You know, I mean, they're big, unwieldy, you know, rear wheel drive vehicles and, you know, people just aren't used to that. So, you know, with, with the modifications I make, it's just much safer. Like last year when we had the, uh, the bomb cyclones coming through, yeah, um, I had two vans out in the middle of it and they're just, they're just cruising along with absolutely no problem, you know, so incredibly safe van. So, you know, back to your question, I, I just noticed the gap for that. So, you know, I looked around, nobody's doing it. So I told myself, okay, that's either because they are, you know, it's, it's a really great idea or maybe somebody else tried it and realized something that I don't yet realize. <laughs> I uh, got it set up, made my first rental almost exactly a year ago. And um, it's actually, it's actually been going pretty well. So. Awesome. 
So are these, are, are they outfitted with um, like you know, kitchens and sleepers or are they just basically transport? No, these are, these are strictly, strictly transport vans. Okay. Um, I have, you know, I've, I've always wanted to have, you know, a camper van, you know, build one out from scratch or build even a bus out from scratch. You know, it's just kind of the way my builder mentality works, but no, these are, these are strictly 15 passengers. So it was kind of, once again, just trying to hit that, that niche market that no one else was doing. Well, it makes a lot of sense to me, right? Because I've seen the the vans you're talking about every time I go out to basically any airport and it's just, you know, just a boring white Econo line and probably rear wheel. But again, I look at that and I've thought about this because I take a, a ski trip every year to Wolf Creek with my buddies and it's, you know, four cars and it's, you know, we're trying to jam all these ski things in there and the five hour drive down is fine because you're excited and take a couple of breaks, but getting home, you're just like, man, I remember being stuck in the back seat of a <laughs> trailblazer and just, you know, it was worse than, you know, flying on a budget airline being crammed into that seat. And then, you know, Absolutely. yeah. And then what you miss is I think the the camaraderie going down. And so it, it makes a ton of sense to have the, the performance and the safety, you know, especially in Colorado in the winter, right? Just to oh, the yeah. four wheel drive. So it, it makes a ton of sense yeah. to me. Yeah. I mean, you never really know what, what Colorado is going to throw you. I mean, you live here, you know how it goes. You've got, you know, it's down here. You might be wearing shorts today in the middle of, you know, December. And, you know, by this weekend, we're probably going to have like a foot of snow or something. And you know, <laughs> it may just get out of nowhere. So, you know, just, you know, you know, being at least prepared for, you know, the possibility that might happen. That's you know, important. I still remember, man, this must have been 15 years ago at, uh, there was a Starbucks here in Parker and I saw this dude for a while and I finally went up and talked to him and he had a, uh, a short, uh, O'Connell line, but he was painted bright red, bright gloss red. He had racks on the top of it, lift kit, you know, big mudder tires and like ski stickers all over it. And uh -huh. I saw it like three or four times and I finally went up and was like, dude, are you, are you in the ski industry or do you race? Like, what's your deal? And he's like, nah, dude, I just always wanted to have just a kick-ass van and just take the family <laughs> skiing. And I was like, I didn't know you could do that. That's super cool. Right. It looked like a team, like a team car. And I just, you know, good on him for doing that. But I still... I, every, every time I throw a bike in my Subaru, I think about that and it's like, geez, man, like it'd be cool just to have the adventure rig ready to go where all I got to do is just make sure I've got water and food and I just go. And so you know, yeah, I'm, I'm attracted to your business just from that particular reason. Oh yeah. And, um, I, I can't tell you the looks I get from people driving around because you know, the way my vans are set up, I mean, I, I specifically wanted them to kind of have that, that outdoor feel, that Colorado feel, you know, because part of what I'm handing to people isn't just, well, this is safe transportation. You know, I want people to have a good experience, you know, and a fun experience, something they're not getting anywhere else. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, my escape room business is kind of the same thing. And it's like, so, okay, when I start building these, I'm like, I, I probably, in hindsight, I probably built them out a little bit too much, but, you know, it's, it's something that's like, I, I want to be able to drive this every day. And, you know, when people see it, I want them to, you know, to just, to just be impressed, you know, and, and when they actually get in it for it to be an experience. 
And uh, yeah, that's it. It definitely works. I mean, every renter I've had and everybody that sees it, it's just it's jaw dropping. They're they're really cool looking, and I I like the the photos you've got. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you mentioned due diligence, and I've I've kind of stumbled into my own entrepreneurial thing where I essentially had a need for a piece of apparel, but in terms of due diligence. I think I never really did any apart from just kind of figuring out the nuts and bolts of turning this thing on. But you know, after you've run and started escape works and, and now rugged van rentals, what does due diligence look like for you? Like what are the steps that you went through to either get in or get out of this concept? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the first step was obviously just ridiculous amounts of Google searches you know, for, for everything I could find. Um, and uh, so, you know, just kind of getting, getting an idea of what's out there, what's available, you know, what, what are people looking for? And, you know, in, in that search, you know, I, I knew that I wanted something to hit the outdoors, you know, because that, that, that's where my passion is. I love being outdoors. My, my family and I, we, we hit national parks all the time, you know, and go traveling and, yeah, I'm an avid backpacker and uh, snowshoer and, uh, you know, that type of thing. So I, I wanted something that, that was in that industry. So, uh, you know, with, with all those searches, that's what I was keeping in mind. It's like, what could I bring that is really going to, um, uh, that, that, that's really going to fill a need. Um, and, uh, you know, then it was, it was just, you know, brainstorming those ideas, you know, what, what would a van setup look like? Um, you know, what, what type of racks are available? How much is it going to cost to put a four by four conversion on it? Um, you know, picking the right vehicle because, you know, some, you know, there's, there's some vans out there that you know, might have a, uh, you know, a, a van life, maybe 150,000. Uh, my Chevy Express vans, you take care of them. They can run. I, I've seen some that are up 450, 500,000 miles, but, wow. you know, so, so figuring out, okay, what is the, you know, what's, how can I really build these, you know, rock solid? Um, and then before moving forward, I think the really important part um, was uh, actually just brainstorming and kicking ideas off with other people. Because, you know, you, you can have your vision set on, well, I'm going to do this great thing. But when you do that, it's so easy to put on those blinders and not be able to see, um, you know, those, the, those pitfalls. You know, because you, you've got this idea in your head that seems so great and you're just full go at it. And, you know, next thing you know, you're, you know, you're falling in a hole because you didn't realize something. So um, I really talked to a lot of friends and even some people in the industry to figure out, you know, what, what could go wrong? What am I not seeing? Um, you know, and that, that's not going to work 100%. You know, I mean, there, there's always going to be stuff that comes up. But, you know, doing that before even, you know, putting, putting a dime into the business is, you know, I, I think the most important thing, at least for me, uh, moving forward in that business. Well, it took me a while to understand that too, because <clears throat> I've tried to kill my business a couple of times and I've always, it was, I don't can't remember exactly where the idea came from, but it was asking for criticism and not validation. And I've mm -hmm. found that I've had to ask people two and three times, like, no, seriously, like if this sucks, I want to know about it. Right. Because yeah. I could either put the money in a mattress or in a savings account and time's our most valuable resource. And if this is dumb, like, tell me, I want to know, you're not going to hurt my feelings. And it took me a while to yeah. disconnect my uh, personality from, or uh, a sense of, 
identity with the product and just make sure that it was just as the best it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when, when you were doing that with yours and really, you know, looking through that with your company, were you, um, what were some of the people you were going to? I mean, was it mainly friends and family or, you know, were you going out trying to find third parties that, you know, really, not that they didn't care about you, but, you know, they, they were willing to tell to you, Frank? Um, great question. And I would look at people that had been steps ahead of me, either in say like the clothing industry or in any sort of industry, um, like manufacturing and would just ask questions like, well, you know, and it took me to, here's, I remember one of these things like, dude, explain to me wholesale versus retail again. Like I, you know, and margins, like I, it, I couldn't figure out like the pricing and I could, I, I remember for years, like I had a little cheat sheet, either like a poster or a card, like to understand that stuff. But, um, yeah. I would just ask how and who questions to basically anybody and everybody. And I remember it being completely disconnected. And I was thinking about, um, it may have been a, a poster or something like that. And I, I walked up to somebody and it could have been, again, at a Starbucks, just for this example. And mm -hmm. where do you find someone that prints like a three foot by four foot poster? Like I didn't know that. Yeah, you because know, my frame of reference was my desktop printer, eight and a half by eleven. I was like, "Oh, well, what's this called?" You know. So again, adding what to that, like, it, the, that's the hard thing is like the terminology, like finding out what it's called, and then just yeah. trying to take that, just be being curious and taking that to an endpoint where I could get someone to offer advice. And um, and one guy in particular. Um, he's since retired from Colorado contract cut. And so I'm trying to remember all the initials in his logo, CCC and S. Um, he and I really hit it off and I forget who connected me to this guy, but Bill Patterson, he was, um, just almost like a, a father figure and a mentor with this particular item. And I went up there and this was when I was really trying to kill it. And I think my wife at the time was like, you know, you're thinking about this, you're writing, you're spending all this time doing it. Like, you know, she kind of gave me a kick in the butt and like, dude, either do it or don't. And so. This gotta, gotta love wives. They get to that point. And they're, <laughs> yep, they, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and we're, we're since divorced, but still have a wonderful relationship. But she actually came up with the name of the company. She's like, Oh, look at the warm front. And I was like, wow brilliant right the most simple thing but um so i go talk to bill and he's got this monster cut and sew factory up by the western stock show and took my appointment treated me as if i was shipping containers of fabric and thousands of units going out the door and he took an hour out of his time with my home little sewing thing that yeah he looked at this i'll oh, do this do that and then he had some suggestions and he's like, you know, this could be a thing. And I just remember sitting there going shit. Cause I didn't really want it to be a thing because that meant I had to keep going. Right. And I went up there right, yep. with, you know, kind of like the first time I poked my gopher head out of the hole business wise and wanted somebody that didn't know me and didn't care and had the experience 
and told me like it could be something. I was like, Ugh. Yeah. and I was going through a lot of confidence <laughs> stuff, you know, but I was like, damn yeah. it. But, um, <laughs> and then on the flip side, I still remember a friend of mine connected me to one of his buddies and had this idea and the dude wouldn't tell me anything about it. And it's like, and, and I went through that phase too, where I was very protective of my invention or my design. And yeah, this, and just like, dude, I'm trying to help you. Just give me some idea of what it is or the market. And he's like, oh, I can't tell you. And I'm like, dude, I'm way too busy and way too lazy to steal your idea. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yep. and, I, and I never heard from that guy again. But yeah, the due diligence, I think, it, it, um, yeah, just find out if it sucks and just ask those questions and just be afraid that, uh, or not to be afraid that you know, maybe you could be wrong you know? And, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. great question. And, and thanks. Yeah. I mean that when it comes down to it, I mean, it's, you know, the worst thing you can do to yourself is, you know, not be, not be willing to be honest, you know, with yourself and seek out that, you know, that real, you know, information from people and then get, you know, two years down the line and realize, you know, I've, I've got some, I've wasted all this time. I've wasted all this money on something that, you know, I, I probably could have nipped in the butt and stopped, you know, before it started. And, you know, that's, you know, it's gotta be an awful feeling. So yeah, it's just, it's just being raw and authentic with people and, you know, really, really digging in and figuring it out. Totally. Uh, I'm looking at the site and just a quick question, you know, you chose Chevy's and I've seen the sprinters, the Benzes and the, the I think Dodge makes the sprinters. Was there a particular reason that you chose the, the Chevy's over kind of the, you know, the, I don't, don't want to say saturated, but I do see the tall sprinters around everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's figuring that out. I thought was going to be more difficult than it was. And when it comes down to it, you know, the, the sprinters are fantastic, but they're also, they're tall and they're not, they, they're not quite as heavy duty. So, so the, the big heavy duty vehicles, you know, van wise have always been the, you know, the Ford Econoline and the, um, the Chevy Express. So the Ford quit making the Econoline and they switched to the Transit. So I think they, maybe 2014 is when they, I think may have made the last Econoline. And they were great, you know, and I loved them, but I'm like, well, you know, I, I, my big thing is I want something heavy. Duty. I want something that's on a big frame, a big beefy frame that can really hold up to a lot of abuse. Um, and I mean, there's, there's plenty of vans out there, you know, nowadays that are more the European style, like the, uh, the Dodge Promaster. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing's basically built on a glorified car frame. So, you know, you, you take that thing down, you know, dirt road or even get it off road, you're, you're in for some trouble. It's not, it's not that great of a vehicle. Um, the sprinters, you know, you can turn those four by four and you know, they're, they're fantastic, but they're also expensive and everybody's wanting to do the van life now. So they're at a premium. So they're hard to find. Um, but with the express, what I found is, you know, right now they're still, you know, kind of hard to find, you know, when, when you're looking for, for a used one, cause everybody's trying to get a hold of them, but the, the parts for them, you know, you ever have a problem, everyone knows how to work on them. Um, you can take it to any shop and, and they can work on them. Uh, there is no, um, no problem getting parts. You know, parts are everywhere. You can hop on eBay and find, okay, well, I'm missing a cup holder. You can hop on eBay and grab a new cup holder if somebody broke one. Um, 
so so it, it really and you know they plan to keep making them you know at, at this point it's kind of chevy's bread and butter you know that it is the uh, I, I hate to say that it's the uh it's you know, the creepy white van down by the river you know, that everybody's got, but, you know it is uh only yeah, if you're in a uh, clown costume <laughs> oh yeah tell me about it i um Oh yeah, I I mean people are always making the jokes, you know, that you know, oh man, you got all these white vans, you know, you're you know, you, know, you must be creepy old guys. So I've I made sure when I did my vehicle wraps, and this is something looking back, I probably overdid, but I justified it because they're like moving billboards and I'm a small company. But I'm like, man, I don't I don't want people to look at it and see creepy white vans. So I got, you know, like full wraps done on the thing just to, you know, kinda of, you know, kinda of get away from that stigma, I guess. But yeah, it's um <laughs> Uh, so, so with that said, I mean, they're, they're, they're the workhorse truck, you know, and I mean, rugged van rental is what I call the company. And I, I refuse to put anything out there that, you know, can't, can't handle, you know, rough terrain, rough weather, whatever. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I see the sprinters everywhere and coming from the bike industry, it was the, the industry standard, but I just look at those and it's like, it reminds me of a beluga whale. And I'm kind of like, like kind of like it, but, uh, but I'm looking at the photo of your Bjorn the bear model here, like the sunset in the back and like those big tires. And it's like, you know, it definitely um, is appealing to me as a, <laughs> an American man. I'm like, that's badass. Like, you know, I could see myself, <laughs> you know, with my, uh, yep. you know, road warrior <laughs> vision of myself like that's pretty sweet like i think you hit the mark on that it's it's yeah, cool and I think, where else are you going to get a chance to to drive something this you know this beefy and this this fun you know i mean it's uh, it's it's different you know, it's not something you can you can really get anywhere else so yeah i, mean, I, I tell you i have fun just driving them around town i mean i you know probably shouldn't be putting all the extra miles on it myself but i i enjoy it you know if for whatever reason, the company might eventually go south or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm keeping it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm, uh, it's, and it's actually been great for family too. Cause like I said, we do national park trips and I've got yeah. four kids all under the age of 12. So we will, you know, we'll take out the back two seats. Uh, so that leaves, you know, me and the wife in the front and then two kids in the seat behind us, two kids in the seat behind them. So everybody's got their room. We can, you know, with a, big huge racks up top we can fit as much as we want up there we even fit two dog cages we got two pretty big dogs mm. we'll put them back there and you know we drove up to like yellowstone and grand teton and just had a trip and it's great because everybody is not you know all uh just all scrunched together so it's it's great i mean it's, it's a perfect family vehicle too so kind of kind of spans spans the uses well, I'm going to give you a suggestion for free. You don't have to say yes to it now, but think about putting steer horns on the front of the hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I ever expand to Texas, that will be the first thing I do. All right. You can have that one for free. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I want to get into the stay-at-home dad thing because I did this um, – trying to think 15 years ago when my kids were two and seven. So I think kindergarten and then just kind of very, very early toddler stage. What led you to that? Yeah. Oh, um, so, so that once again had to do with, with the prior job before that. Um, so 
was a Denver cop for several years. And, um, you know, I, I was working nights and weekends, you know, so I had all the fun shifts. I worked out in the, out in Montbello, which is like East Denver and, you know, pretty rough neighborhood, lots of, lots of fun. It was great. But, um, my wife is, is a CPA and at the time she worked for a firm. So she would disappear for, you know, three months out of the year. And, you know, we just, we never saw each other. Well, we had at, at that point, this is back in 2012, but 2011, 2012, um, we had two kids, two young boys, and we found out we were pregnant with twins mm. at the time. And it's like, it was, it was getting rough, you know, just with, uh, with us never seeing each other. You know, it was, it was hard. I was never sleeping because, you know, I would, I would come home and then have to watch the kids. And sometimes I'd even have court. So, and on top of that, the job was really getting me. So, you know, being a cop, it's, it, it's, it can be, it can be a fun, great job. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're helping people. You're really making the difference. You know, it's, it's fun. You're getting in foot chases, high speed chases, you know, and really getting to experience stuff that most people don't get to experience, you know, and it's great. But I was also kind of, I, I was, I was a proverbial shit man. I, I had in my time there, I had just ridiculous amounts of calls that were, that were just rough, the kind that, that keep you up at night and haunt you, you know, and then, you know, some of them still do. Um, and I was, I was just getting to the point where it's like something needs to change. You know, we, we've got you know, these kids come in and I, you know, and so the wife and I were talking, it's like some, something's got to change. One of these things. And I kind of took that as my opportunity to, to be able to step down. And it was, I mean, it was definitely, you know, a, a rough decision. You know, I took a lot of pride in, in being a cop, you know, and, and being a good one. But, you know, I, I just didn't, uh, you know, there was parts of me, I didn't like the, the person I was becoming, you know, because I was getting kind of jaded, or kind of angry at the world, I guess. Um, but, you know, so it was sort of like something's got to change. So I, I decided it, it'll be me. So I, I quit the job and went from, you know, foot chases and fights to dirty diapers, you know, overnight. <laughs> and it was a, uh, it, it was a change. But, man, let me tell you, that was, Oh, I, I, you know, hats off to all, all the stay-at-home parents out there, you know, because it was the, the three and a half years I did it was, it was tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. <clears throat> it was one of the best times of my life, but it was also one of the more challenging, um, it's definitely a career, right? You, you've got people you yeah. got to take care of and, um, but just absolutely amazing. It was my daughter's first steps and walking my kids to kindergarten. It was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I look back and I wouldn't change it for anything. You know, I, like I said, I, I got to see, you know, the kids, you know, all, all the, all the best stuff, you know, right at the beginning, I was able to take the kids to the pool and, you know, do everything else part of part of my struggle you know back then and I've I, I've since realized it and done a lot of work around it is um there I, I guess there was there was a stigma that, that kind of went along with it you know uh or at least you know some of it may have been you know from the world and a lot of it was just probably me putting it on myself that you know I'm I'm supposed to be the man of the house and here I am you know I'm, I'm not the breadwinner I'm staying home with these kids and you know there was there was a big chunk of time where it, it was a real hit to the ego you know and just 
you know, is I'm able to look back on it now and say, wow, you know, I, I, I made a difference, you know, and, and, and I did something great raising my kids. Um, but when I was in the moment, it was, it was definitely, it, it was definitely rough, you know, and, you know, since then, you know, doing a lot of work, you know, around other stuff in my life and that as well, you know, it's, I'm able to see just how, how special and lucky I was and blessed to be able to do it. I couldn't agree more. I remember um, living in Stonegate here in Parker and telling people that, and it would, it would be the, the barbecues or the, the parties, the neighborhood parties where the women would go in the kitchen and yeah, everybody would segregate eventually. And I'd be sitting with Mm -hmm. the dudes and they'd be talking about, you know, the account management or the sales or something like that. And I do remember now that you mentioned that, that sense of isolation and yeah, it did feel, um, I don't know what the right word, not emasculating. I didn't feel like less of a a person or, or a human or a man or whatever, but I just sort of felt, um, yeah, it, it was, um, I'm kind of struggling for the words, but I know exactly how you felt because these guys are talking about, you know, deals they closed. And, and, uh, I remember some of them were just straight up knuckleheads. Like I liked them, but like, you know, you, you know, I, I did it for my kids and it's that degree yeah. of sacrifice that, um, you know, perhaps I don't want to speak for you, but perhaps as a police officer, like you're putting yourself out there for the, the, you know, protect and serve. And then you have that mentality coming in for the kids. It's like, well, I don't really care what you think about me. I'm doing this because, you know, I can, my daughter doesn't have to be in daycare and we go hang out in the backyard and my son and I can walk home and, you know, talk about the day. And I think they've turned out very, very well. They're not crazy. So yeah, I think, <laughs> you would think we did our jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I remember back then actually when people would be like, okay, what, well, what do you do? And I would always, at the beginning, I would always preface it with, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a cop turned stay-at-home dad was the way at the beginning I would always preface it. And I had a good buddy of mine that, you know, was, was standing next to me when I did that one of the times. And he pulled me off to the side afterwards. And he really laid it to me. He's like, why, he's like, why are you doing that? Are you, are you ashamed that you are, that you're raising your kids? And I'm like, no. And it, it really got me thinking, you know, that, you know, this is, I mean, it's, it's a full-time job and it's, you think about it, it's one of the most important jobs there is out there. And, you know, so it, it, it took a little while, but I was finally able to take that pride where I look back now and, you know, somebody looks at my resume now, it's pretty eclectic cop, stay at home, dad, two time business owner, but Jeez, you and I'm me not, both, buddy. <laughs> and and I'm, I mean, it's on my resume, there, stay at home, dad. And you know, that it's something I could actually take pride in, you know? Um, and it, it was, it was a road getting there, but yeah, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it either. Either it was the best. Uh, I think I did it for about three years as well, and I still to this day have a different relationship with the kids than uh, my ex does, and not better or worse. It's just different, and I see uh, mm-hmm. the the different relationship with other parents and their kids. And and again, not trying to hold myself up and criticize, but like it's more special to me because of that time. 
And the only thing I would change in this, again, time machine, you know, you can't, hindsight's 2020. I read um, an, or listened to an audio book by Sebastian Younger called Tribe. And he talks about how in um, other cultures, you know, European or tribal cultures that the kids sleep with the parents and the kids are always, they have this sense of security and they're, they're held more. And with my son, we had this book that um, oh, I forget what it was, but it was basically getting the kid on a sleep schedule and let them themselves cry back to sleep and all that stuff. And after I read yes. Sebastian's book, I was like, Oh man, I done fucked up. I was like, Oh, <laughs> And, you know, and I, and I still remember that point of contention with my wife, just like logically, I'm like, the baby's crying. Like he needs something. He needs us. And I was way more um, physically connected with my daughter, like, cause my wife would have to go to work. And if she got up at, at night and she still remembers us, even though she was like two or three, <clears throat> I'd go grab her and would just talk to her and, we'd go down in the basement bedroom and then I'd put her on a pillow and I'd drape her legs over my arm and I'd sleep on my side. And it was kind of like a, 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 a warning system. Like if I felt those legs move, <laughs> then I knew she was, you know, trying to escape, but she would just go back to sleep and I'd go back to sleep and it were just that sense of physical touch. And, you know, yeah. I've, I've talked to my son about that and just like, you know, I, I just wish I would have known and could have done something different in that moment with you just to have that, mm. that touch and that comfort and that feel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm right on board with that. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're a real affectionate family, you know, and you know, I, I think that's, that's been so important, you know, to me to, you know, it just instill that closeness in my kids, you know, and, and that relationship. And yeah, I, I, I love that. I mean, even now, I mean, my kids, my oldest, you know, son is 12 and um, it's, I found it's especially important with him. He's, he's actually autistic and just the, uh, the comfort that he gets from that, from just, uh, you know, if, if he's starting to get anxious or he's starting to, you know, elevate, you know, just being able to embrace him in a hug, put that pressure on him is, you know, is, is just everything to him and, and makes such a difference. And, you know, I think that's, I agree. I think that's so important, you know, with kids and, you know, be, being able to experience that as a stay-at-home dad was, was great. And I still, uh, something I listened to, it was a Zig Ziglar book and he talks about, and this goes back, God, I don't even know when this book came out, like maybe the mid nineties, early nineties and talks about how he was you know, playing with his daughters, his teenage, or maybe they were adult daughters and just, being affectionate and hugging on them and telling them that he loves them and just realizing that moment about his son. And yeah, I'm still very affectionate. My son's 22 now and, and he was home for Thanksgiving, which was great. And as a family, we don't walk past each other without um, like a shoulder rub or something, you know, touching just like mm -hmm. that touch. And, you know, I go out of my way to, I shot him a text last night. I said, we were talking about cameras and lenses of all things via text. And I just told him, I said, wow, dude, like I really wish that you were here and we could just go grab a beer and just shoot the shit and hang out. And said, I miss you. And yeah, you know, 
I think it's like you said, it's important for um, dads and their sons to say, you know, you can be emotional and you can be affectionate because, you know, as it's kind of lonely sometimes being a, being a man out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, Oh, good. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if there's one thing my kids are going to grow up knowing, you know, I mean, you know, there's going to be times we don't get along, disagree, whatever, especially as they get older. But I've told myself the one thing that I want my kids to have no doubt about is, is the fact that I love them and I'm proud of them. And, you know, I think, I think that physical touch plays, you know, a, a big role in that you know, that, and just that constantly affirming, Hey, you know, I, I love you and I'm proud of you. And, you know, I, I, I don't want my kids, you know, especially my boys to ever grow up thinking that they have to play that, that macho masculine role all the time and not be able to be um, vulnerable, you know, with people. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I do miss carrying them or like sitting and having them sit in my lap and my son's like six, two. And so it, it would be, it'd be really <laughs> tough, but um, it, and I, I remember when my daughter, oh, she was, oh man, she had a bunk bed and she may have been middle school. And sometime in that time frame, um, you know, she switched to, but we took down the bunk beds cause she was over it. And then we got a full size or queen size or whatever. And mm-hmm. I remember that, you know, there was kind of one night where I didn't just go tuck her in. Like she brushed her teeth and went to bed and gave me a hug and, yeah, went in and closed the door and I was like, yeah, and it was fine. Right. But I was yeah. like, Oh, I still kind of miss, you know, sitting on the edge of the bed and talking to her and, and tucking her in. And it's just, yeah. it, it, they go through transitions. Right. And I think if you hold on to what was, you're going to miss what is, and then it causes conflict and missed expectations and just, but it's harder on our side <laughs> than their side. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't want to dive too much into the, the um, I guess the, the, I don't want to say the, that flashpoint of leaving the force, but, you know, what were some of the, the things you did to manage what you experienced and what, I guess, kind of ran its course at that point when you decided to leave the force? Like, what were some of your coping strategies and techniques and you don't have to get into specifics and and i'm not looking for you know true crime gory details here <laughs> yeah yeah um wow yeah that is uh, that that's a rough one uh for me mainly because i did not cope well oh. the back there like i said I, I i went through some some awful stuff i had some there, there was a lot of depth, you know, in, in, in the stuff I saw. Uh, and there was a, uh, and, and a lot of it actually had to do with, with kids. For some reason, I just, I was the one who always got a lot of those calls. Um, so, so it was rough, you know, and there, it's not that there's not resources available within the police department. There, there, there absolutely is, you know, I mean, there's, there's therapy, there's, there's all kinds of stuff they offer, but there is a, a certain amount of reluctance you know, to do it. And, and some of it, you know, is because of that, I, I think just that, that macho, you know, whatever. And um, it, it's oftentimes hard to, to come forward and say, well, this thing's bothering me. So I, I did not cope well. And I, man, I would, 
we'd get off work and we'd go to, you know, what they call choir practice. It's basically just going out and, and drinking after work. And, and I was choir practice. <laughs> I, I don't know where that name came from, but it has been in the, in policing forever, apparently. And no idea why choir practice is called that. But so you go to choir practice, you know, after, after work and you would just, you know, you just drink and, you know, and, and whatever, and just, and just laugh. And, you know, you, uh, and there's a weird, coping mechanism a lot of people don't they don't understand it and i don't think you can unless you're somebody in, in the military or that's really had to see a lot of stuff that you and i was never meant to see you really develop a dark sense of humor and i mean you you could be standing over a a, a dead body and you're you're making jokes and it's it seems really awful you know and insincere but it's it's kind of a, a strange coping mechanism um but but anyway, you know, so so there was a lot of that that, that I was kind of bringing home, and it, it was changing me. And um, you know, I I honestly did not deal with with much of anything that I saw, you know, for for years. And you know, when you when you have those things inside, you know, that you're that you're not dealing with, and you're just trying to hold them down, eventually they're going to come out sideways. And um, you know, you. you and, and and that that's with anybody, you know. That's just not top. That's not just top. That that's everybody. You know, anybody that's had trauma, if you don't deal with that, it's it's gonna it, it's gonna come out in bad ways. And it, it it did for me. And I I I developed you know I developed some addictions that really um negatively affected me for for years. And you know it negatively affected my family, you know, and and just just everybody around me. I was I was unbearable, you know, to live with. To be honest, you know, I mean, good to my kids, loved my kids, you know, did, did everything I could, but I, I was pretty unbearable. And it wasn't until about three years ago that um, uh, I, I finally, you know, thanks to some some good close friends, you know, and some good men that I really trusted, um, really started attacking what was going on. I'm like, I, I don't want to be this person. And that included, you know, me really, really digging deep, you know, going to a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy, surrounding myself with really, you know, with, with, with really strong men that I trusted that I was able to be vulnerable and authentic with. And, you know, slowly but surely over the past three years, you know, I'm a completely different man than I used to be. Um, and so, so that there's part of me that's, you know, that, that's in a weird way thankful for a lot of those things that I went through, you know, because I, I, I truly feel that um, struggle is where you grow, you know, and the, the, more, the more struggles come in your life the, and, and the more you dig into them and, and deal with them, the more you grow. And that, that, that's certainly been my story, you know, and unfortunately there's, you know, I, I've left a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of rubble in my wake. Um, but, um, you know, all I can do is, is move forward. And, you know, I, I'm at a point now to where, you know, I, I can really easily see where people um, are, 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 are dealing with or not dealing with, with things in their past, you know, especially, you know, especially men. I'm, I, I intuitively, I can just tell something's going on. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where I really feel like I, I've become a, a tool for those people to use. I've become somebody to lean on, you know, and be like, Hey, I've, I, I've been through this, you know, you can get through it. And so, you know, it, it's really become something that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of, you know, being able to get through that and really making, you know, 
a difference in the life of, of other people, you know, to be able to help them through those same things. So you know, that was a long-winded, you know, answer, you know, to your question, but um, that's, that's definitely something that I've, uh, that I'm proud of. And it, it, it goes towards my, uh, basically my mission statement in life is uh, that my vulnerability allows others to feel loved and included so they can discover the comfort of living life without a mask. Um, you know, so, so I think being, being authentic and, you know, talking about the things that I've gone through and how I coped with them, you know, is, is, is finally helpful to other people, I guess. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate it. Um, in, you know, you mentioned the, a couple things I wanted to expand upon is the, and you mentioned the rubble in your wake. And I think you also touched upon the awareness, right? And I think that's when people need to either forgive themselves or be held accountable. It's one thing to, cause I remember that it was a, a moment in my life where I think at 30 something, I finally became aware that my actions had impacts on other people. And I, you know, you'd think, well, dude, that's like common sense. I was like, <laughs> I had no idea. Right. <laughs> but from that moment forward, you know, maybe everything else was an accident or I didn't know what I was doing or I didn't know how to be better. But once I had that awareness, then I had no excuse and I was accountable for that. And I had to stop and, and change that. And yeah, I'm, I'm a much better person. I have, haven't experienced what you've experienced, but just that I'm, I look back and you know, when my marriage started falling apart and I went from stay at home dad to, you know, 24 seven kids to, you know, splitting time and not seeing them. I think back on how tough that was, but I also think, you know, magic wand, if I could have stayed together and seen them every single day growing up or gone through this divorce and become the person that I am, it's like, well, geez, like they'd be different and it wouldn't be better. And yeah, it's just, it, it took, and I've called, I've said this before um, when I've talked to people, I had to take myself down to the bare metal and just admit what, what I owned and what I didn't own, but what was, what I wanted to be better. And I got to that same point you did. It's like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be this person. And mm -hmm. yeah. And I, you also talked about people reaching out one of the highest compliments I've ever received was that I got a call from a guy that I knew fairly well. We'd gone mountain biking five, six times, had some beer. So, you know, he's a friend of mine, but um, he was going through something. And my other friend, Bill just said, just go talk to Matt. And, you know, Robert called me and it was just a, a, one of the highest honors, right? That somebody in their dark time would reach out. And I think it's just, uh, I'm so thankful when that happens. Like, it's not easy for me. It's not easy for you either, but just to be trusted in that moment of vulnerability and to just have that connection that they're not going to be judged. It's just a, a, a high honor and a, a blessing. And I'm, I'm thankful when it happens because, you know, there's so many people that got me to this point, both just friends and then professionals that, you know, I've, it's my duty to repay that and be there for somebody when they need it. Absolutely. 
and I, I love the way you put it that you know you, you kind of had to, to to get down to to bare metal you know, get, get down to bare bones um because i i in my work right at the beginning i realized that most of my life has been built on a pretty shitty foundation and yeah um i i, I didn't i didn't even know who i was you know I, I i wore a mask in front of people for years so i i didn't even really know who i was that affected work that affected me personally so, you know, part of that was really just getting down to the bottom, you know, breaking myself down all the way to the bottom and then begin to build myself up. And in that process over the past two years, man, I've grown so tremendously because I'm finally figuring out who I am. I'm finally figuring out where my strengths are. I'm figuring out where my weaknesses are. You know, I'm, I'm truly figuring out what, um, what type of man I am. And that helps me, you know, figure out how to get to the type of man I want to be. And, and that has been... Oh, so important, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, might, uh, they, they might, I, I want to call it a blessing. They might not have that blessing of being able to, to really know themselves, you know, that well and, and be able to, to give a true account of, of who they are. And that, that is so huge. And, and, and I agree with the, you know, having to have those, those people around you. I mean, I, I have a group of, of seven men that are in my life. We get together uh, every other Tuesday and, you know, constantly in group text and everything else. Um, and, and one of them is, is one who actually uh, convinced me to go on. There was basically a weekend I went on and it's one of those you can't, you can't talk about it. And, you know, there's a lot, it's, mystique you know and you, you don't know what's going on but everybody talks about well you know you're going to come out of it changed and I'm like all right whatever y'all do and um you know went went up there and sure enough it was it was weird it was kind of crazy but i came out of there one you know after that weekend i really that's where i got down to bare bones and got everything out and two i walked out of there with people who either staffed it or went through it at the same time as me and, and it was interesting because the way the way they weekend work is you know you're there with a lot of people you don't necessarily know and you are finding out these people's deepest darkest secrets and walking through it with them before you even really know what they do for a job (laughs) sure it it, it was really odd and ass backwards but you know that's that's allowed me to have and, and i think it's so important for everybody to have those people you can be yourself and be authentic with you know, they're, they're your 3 a.m. friend. They're those people who they're, they're not going to bullshit you. If you're doing something stupid, they're going to call you on it. And that, that is, that is probably one of the biggest blessings I have in my life is, is that. <clears throat> I, I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, it's just having that support system. And I, went through a divorce again a couple years ago and I was very open and candid with my kids. So they were, Oh, seven, uh, maybe 18 and 12 around in that age and range. And I made it a point to not overshare, but just to be transparent in the moment. So if I was feeling really upset and I talked about going to therapy and I talked about what my challenges were, because I, I don't, I stumbled upon this just that maybe like other kids or other parents and parents aren't perfect. And I think it does kids a a huge disservice to make them think that we've got all this stuff figured out. And my resume looks like yours. Like it is 
tech and bike and sales and all over the place. And I tell both my kids, I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like I'm trying, like I've got, (laughs) I've got systems and values and goals and all that. But it's like, man, anybody that tells you they know they've got it dialed in is, you know, either lying to you or lying to themselves and not wanting to scare my friends or my kids and just say, Oh, life's totally random. It's a crap shoot, you know, and just be, (laughs) you know, off the deep end that way. But just, you know, you have to be adaptable and you make plans and you change them. But like we're, all we have is each other and we just need to help each other out. And, and, and I've been very candid to go back to that thing with the kids. Like I, I need help. I need you guys to help me. I'm here to help you and we'll figure this out together. And like, I don't know what's going on, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and that builds that, that layer of trust, you know, with, with your kids, you know, yeah. and that you can't, you, you can't, you can't hide stuff. Kids know that there's something going on, you know? And I, I, I can look back to my own family and realize, you know, that, you know, we, my family growing up, we, we didn't deal with the hard things. You know, we can't, we kind of just breezed over it. It's like, Oh, we all love each other. Stuff's great. And, you know, I'm, you know, 30 some years old talking to my, you know, talking to my brothers and be like, man, I don't really know a whole lot about anything you went through in your life, you know, and it's, it's, it's suddenly playing catch up. And you know, so I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not going to let that go with my kids. You know, I, if they've got trouble, they got something big going on. You know, I want to, I, I want to know about it, you know, and I want to be able to help and I want them to trust that, that they can come to me, you know, with that stuff. And um, yeah. And, and it's just, it's just that being authentic and, you know, uh, and, and taking it back to, back to business that, that authenticity and that ability to really be, um, be real with people. Um, you know, and, and now that I've been able to do that over the past few years, it's been real refreshing, even in a business setting to, to not just be fake with people all the time, you know, cause you, you, you kind of walk into a, you walk into a, a networking meeting or, or a business meeting or, you know, whatever. And, you know, you, if, if you're walking in as your authentic self, you know, you, you're not juggling those two sides of you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're able to be real. And I think for a lot of people, that's real refreshing because there's a certain amount of trust that comes with somebody who's going to be authentic, open and truthful with you and, and, and upfront. And, and I, I think that really goes a long way, you know, and, and, and just, you know, the business world, especially right now, you know, is, is you know, pe- people are trying to, I think, just be, be more authentic and be real. Yeah. It's <clears throat> something I practice and it catches people off guard. And I've often wondered, is it because they're suspicious and they've been burned or that it's not the standard operating procedure for most business people. I'll just tell them like, Hey, look, there's probably not going to be a next step because truth be told, you've got existing relationships, existing vendors. Can we just have a conversation about kind of who we are as people, like what you're looking for? And like, I'm not going to blow your phone up and blow your email up. Like this let's one of my favorite books is let's get real or let's not play. And he talks about like, can we just explore this and have a conversation? And people are like, what? (laughs) No, I'm not, this is not a trick. (laughs) Uh Yeah, that, that is, it's, it's, it's 
it's funny. So, so I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm at a point right now to where, you know, I'm still running rugged, you know, stuff's still going good, but, but I'm also always keeping my eye out for the next thing. Or, you know, I, I honestly miss collaborating with people, you know, be, being a, you know, an entrepreneur, business owner, solopreneur, it, it gets kind of lonely. So I'm, so I'm always you know, kind of on the lookout for what's out there and, you know, where, where I can really play my strengths and bring them to, you know, to, to a, a group, you know, and, you know, but, but having a, uh, you know, having a resume out there is, you know, especially when it's eclectic, it's, it's, it's almost just kind of frustrating, you know, because you, you want to be real, you know, you want to be honest, you know, with people, but, you know, and unless you can get right in front of them and really, uh, um, you know, actually get to know them on a personal level and prove that, hey, you know, I, I can do this job, you know, it's right up my alley or whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's 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 weird you know just because you you've, you've got this you got this resume out there and it's so it's so mechanical you know people are looking for keywords and everything else and, mm-hmm. um you know that then then you just meet that person you know like like last night i'm at a networking event for the uh for denver founders downtown and going great and i just randomly ran into somebody who he owns a bunch of software companies and you know i've i've, I've had some applications into some of these software companies for sales or whatever and all getting turned down I talked to this guy for like five minutes and I'm just open, authentic and real with him. He's like, man, let, let me, he's like, let, let me get a hold of you. You know, he's like, he's like, give, give me your card, give me your LinkedIn. And sure enough this morning, he's like, Hey, let's go have lunch. You know, I've, I've, I've got several software companies. Seems like you'd be a real fit. And I'm like, I was just standing there chatting with a guy having a beer, you know, not really doing anything, but you know, it's, uh, you know, just, just being real with people and, you know, and not, not feeling like you're selling, you know, some fake self or something. It goes, it goes a long way if you get the opportunity to do it. Yeah, it does. I had a, I had a recruiter, uh, look at my resume headhunter, um, two, three years ago. And he's, I think I could have, I think he was just basically telling me I wasn't a fit personally for what he was looking for. And he just was, you know, like, well, you were in the bike industry and then you were in tech sales and then you were in like thermal system sales and then you were this, this. And it was like, and I think he was just looking for a reason to disqualify me. And I was trying to spin it back going, I like interesting challenges. That's why I left one company, went to another is that this, this one opportunity gave me full reign of marketing, social media, product development, all this. And it's like, and, and I honestly think Eric, if it, if I would have been 15 years at one company, he would have found that as like a, a negative too. But it's yeah. you're right on paper it's one thing and in person it's another and that guy saw your character and your values and he's like you know and maybe the resume is not gonna ever transmit that correctly but you know you get in front of somebody and he's like wow you did all this like you know it shows the hustle right you can point to your website and just go uh yeah i i did this and it's like whatever problems you got i'll figure them out too just just give me a shot just give me a conversation yeah, yeah. And, and and I know, you know, it's I, I did some, you know, some hiring, of course, for Escapeworks, you know, it's, you know, we had quite a few employees and, you know, it's it, it was kind of a basic job, you know, it, it wasn't like you had to have a whole lot of background in anything to do it. But just that that go get them character, you know, willing to take, you know, to, to take something head on and loving a challenge. Like, man, I, I would take somebody like that over over somebody with a bunch of day. you know, experience mm-hmm. you can learn. It's, you, you can learn software. You can you can be taught to do just about anything, but nobody can teach grit. Nobody can teach character. You know, and those are, you know, those are 
those are just huge and important. Yeah, I saw it somewhere bumper stickered. It was hire for character and train for skill. And, you know, that's, yeah, skills, anybody can learn skills, right? Yeah. Well, you mentioned the solopreneur. Uh, I'm going to shoot you an email with a bunch of people that <clears throat> I want you to get connected with. And I'd love to, you know, collaborate on that too, because there's just times when, you know, both in my, my day job and my um, warm front company, I'm like, man, what is going on? Like, does anybody care? <laughs> you know, it's like, wah, wah. <laughs> so if nothing else to commiserate, but what I find is that those things, you know, the collaboration comes out. So I've got like six or seven people that I'm going to email and get an introduction and we should all get together and, and just help each other out. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is, you know, that, that, that's where the magic happens. You know, you get a bunch of creative people together, you know, in a room and, and just, you know, chatting. It's, it's crazy what will come up. So yeah, I more than happy. Yeah. You know, my, my, my life is building relationships and, you know, just, just getting to know people and enjoying them. So anytime anybody wants to introduce me, I'm full steam ahead. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, scratching, you know, wiping out my calendar to make sure it happens. So I'd, I'd be <laughs> cool. more than happy. Well, I say this a lot and it, it doesn't dilute the importance to me personally. And it's one of the joys I get from doing this podcast and, and talking to people like you, just the, the unexpected bond of just you know, being a stay at home dad and the struggle. And I, I just thank you for the time and it's, it's rewarding to me and I love when this happens and it's one of the reasons I still do it is just to have these moments and these connections. So Eric, I, I really appreciate it. And thank you very much. Absolutely. No, thank, thank you, Matt. This is the uh, first time I've ever been asked to be on a podcast. I, I was, I, I was so happy and, you know, just the chance to get to know you better. It's, it, it's great. I've, I've really enjoyed this. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, I'll put this in the, the release, but uh, where can people book a van and, and take a look at these just awesome design machines? Yeah, absolutely. So just ruggedvanrentals.com. So R-U-G-G-E-D-V-A-N-R-E-N-T-A-L-S.com. As if people are going to be able to remember that off the top of their head. But yep, just ruggedvanrentals.com. Yeah, check it out. Got tons of pictures and you can book directly on that. So if you got people coming in from out of town, you want to, you want to impress them and, you know, or maybe you're out of state, you're coming to Colorado and you want to, some, some fun ways to get up into the mountains and get out in the back country. I, I got you covered. Awesome. Well, uh, Eric Hill, this has been great. And I know the holidays are coming up, but if we could uh, meet in person sometime the next couple of weeks, that'd be great. If you get outside and that's on a bike or skis or snowboard, snowshoeing, or you simply don't like being cold, take a look at the Warmfront Chest Warmer. This is a company I started years ago, and with the help of a great number of people, got this company and this product off the ground. It is a thermal chest warmer, which is a fancy name for a bib. It is handmade here in Colorado by my business partner, Linda, of PolarTech Fleece. There's two different weights, but the concept is to insulate your core while you're outside. And so like mom always said, put on a hat to keep you warm. Keeping your core warm while you're moving through the cool or cold air, or you're simply just tired of being cold. One of my customers, Sue, doesn't cycle, doesn't run. Uh, she's actually a breast cancer survivor. 
and she got tired of her reconstructive implants being cold. So take a look. Uh, I guarantee it personally. It is handmade in Colorado here, like I said, and uh, it's been a fun venture. It's still growing. It's still going. But take a look at thewarmfront.com. That is T-H-E-W-A-R-M. F-R-O-N-T.